I'm Rick Cushman, and this episode of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul is sponsored by the 2020 Vancouver International Wine Festival. And Paul, why do you think it's a good idea that people should go to Vancouver to drink wine? Well, it's one of the world's great cities, great yeah. food, wonderful large, largest wine festival in North America, and best of all, Rick, you won't be there. Ouch. But yeah, not a bad argument. Uh, I was going to say it's also because it's one of the best festivals on the planet and featuring featuring France this year. Vive la France. Yes. Vancouver Wine Festival, February 22nd to March 1st. 57 events, including tastings, lunches, dinners, seminars. Yep, yep, yep. Got to stop you right there. My standard warning. Paul's leading some of those. And, and they're good, I tell you. They're you, good. You can avoid them. <laughs> I, I've been to them and... The wine was good. <laughs> but, but, no. but, but the good news is people only have to avoid me. They, they don't have to worry about you being there. Yes, right? but he's worse when I'm not there, so keep an eye out. <laughs> and, and, and don't worry. If you do run to Nepal or go to one of his seminars, the festival will still be awesome. There's outstanding wines from 15 countries, winemakers and principals from all 163 of the wineries. Yep, That's yep. Great. and 42 wineries from France. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Great chance to taste Burgundy, Bordeaux, Champagne, Provence. Vive la Provence because uh, the land of rosé. In fact, they're putting the global spotlight on rosé this year. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, great time to be in Vancouver, too. The snow-capped mountains across the harbor. It is. Restaurants are fabulous. It's, it's a wonderful city. You know, the service uh, is wonderful, by the way, at the restaurants. We we have found that. Well, they've allowed both of us in, and they've treated us like grown-ups. Well, you know, Rick, you were very good. You only spilled a little bit, and you didn't really cause a scene. I had that one tantrum, but it wasn't too bad. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. You know, the festival people, they're very nice. Uh, they're very nice, actually, because they, they keep inviting most of us back. Uh, <laughs> some of us have jobs, but, uh, you know. And, and they make it easy for you to eat, drink, get tickets, and book hotels. Um, it's Stay Vancouver Hotels is the place to go, by the way, because if you do book a hotel through Stay Vancouver Hotels, you, it's a downtown hotel, and there are 39 to choose from. You get a free t- ticket worth up to 115 bucks to one of those four huge international festival tastings, which are sort of the keynotes of the um, yeah, the, of, of the event. They're 163 really wineries, and for 115 bucks, that's and, that's less than a buck a winery to visit those tastings. Yeah. And you know why else they're nice, Paul? Why is that, Rick? Well, well, the proceeds go to some good places. Yes, it's true. Uh, Vancouver's Bard on the Beach Shakespeare Festival, a uh, wonderful reason to come back in the summertime. Yeah. Quite it's a, a nice city in the summer, too. It is. It's, yep. Yeah. And, and, of course, they're also letting me lead. I know. These cruise. are patient people. They really are. Because they've they've allowed the two of us to darken the door. They have Paul <laughs> teaching a seminar or more. And, and a- now he's leading a wine cruise. Yeah, April 9th through 16th in 2020. We're going to Bordeaux. It'll be great. In, Margot, in... Poyac, San Estefe, San Hamilion, Sauterne. What'll you be doing, Rick? I'll, I'll be working. <laughs> I'll be working away at a job like regular people. All right. Let's recap, though, for the festival because that is uh, way better than a job. There's 163 wineries, 15 countries, including New Zealand, Spain, Italy, Argentina, a lot more. France is, of course, featured, and you can taste some outstanding Canadian wines yeah. um, from British Columbia's own Okanagan Valley. As well as Nova Scotia, yeah. Niagara. They have they, There are a lot of different wine regions in Canada. Yep, yep, yep. And 57 events, world-class food, world-class city outside your door. It's a treat. Yeah, it is. Public tickets go on sale January 8th. If you're trade, they're available now 
uh, go to the website for lots of details. And that's Vancouver International Wine Festival, February 22nd to March 1. Details on schedules, programs, the cruise, me not being there, and everything more are at <laughs> vanwinefest.ca. That's vanwinefest, V-A-N. Or just go to Google and you will find it. Yep. Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. It's a leap year, Paul. And you know what that means? I'm afraid to ask, Rick. We get a whole extra day. Woohoo! Time to celebrate. And you're going to tell me why an extra day is a big deal. Another whole day to drink wine, and I'm celebrating with bubbly. Okay, although bubbly, great way to celebrate any time. You don't need an excuse for bubbly. Aha, my non-effervescent friend. You stepped right into my clever trap. That was my true point all along. The holidays are over. The New Year's celebrations are done. What better way to soldier on than to drink sparkling wine these otherwise dreary days of January? Or you could have just said, you know, sparkling wine is great all the time, and we might still have a few listeners with this podcast. Yeah, but... I amused myself. <laughs> All right. In any case, that's what we are talking about today. Cool. Uh, let's remember that sparkling wine is great, every an everyday wine. It really is. And it adds this pizzazz on a cold night and uh, pop on a hot one. Um, okay. Also today, listeners ask about the difference between rosé and sparkling rosé, cocktails with bubbly, and about nothing less than the fate of the wine industry, Paul. <laughs> Plus, we have some historic history about champagne bomb, champagne bombs, excuse me, and the mythic monk Dom Perignon. Dom Perignon, yes. And our horrible wine writing bubbles over with redundant <laughs> repetitiveness and recurring descriptions. Excellent. And as usual, we're going to be making fun of wine snobs. Yes, we will. By the way, here we are yet again on Capital Public Radio's podcast lineup. Recommended podcasts along with the really big names in American showbiz. Yes, yes, yes. They don't like us being next to them. <laughs> We're also on Napa Broadcasting. And yes. Comes Number out. one community college, Napa Valley College, yep. and we're on their radio show. Yes, you'd think all those people would have better judgment. Well, but there you go. There you go. And we are now available just about everywhere. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Our and, media uh, empire continues to expand. So does our social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Our handle is Rick and Paul Wine. And you can go there and ask us a question or say something nice to Paul because he gets needy. I would like that. Yeah. But yeah. please don't don't say, don't compliment Rick on anything. He has a tendency to believe them. Oh, they're so nice, though. <laughs> and by the way, don't miss the chance to join Paul and some lovely Canadians at the Vancouver International Wine Festival. It runs February 22nd to March 1. Uh, Information is at vanwinefest.ca, vanwinefest, it's V-A-N, and just Google it. You will find it. Yeah, you can, and don't forget, uh, I think it's time for us to uh, define some terms for sparkling wine. Okay. I, I always say that, uh, that, that, that of, of this, you know, well, of all the, the wines that where there's some confusion over what the heck is in the bottle, sparkling can have this one thing that makes it complicated. Okay. Uh, this is not. This it, is though. certainly sounding complicated to me already. Well, Rick, I've already, so. I've, I've tangled it up, and so I'm going to untangle. <laughs> untangle it. Okay. Well, the first one is this. Uh, why does champagne uh, only apply to some wines, Paul? Well, because theoretically, champagne can only be made in Champagne, which is a specific region of France called. Let me guess. Uh, Bordeaux. Champagne. No, I thought there I was close though. I was so close. there it is. So there are lots of great sparkling wines around the world, but. 
Champagne has to come from Champagne, northeast of Paris. Yeah, and you know we what we say. You know, we almost make a point of saying sparkling wine and bubbly, and it really is because it, it is. You wouldn't say Burgundy if you were talking about a wine from some other place. So right. So that, there's that. You know, and and there yeah. are lots of great sparklings. One of my favorite is a wine that you actually helped introduce me to, which is Franciacorta from Italy. Yes, and Franciacorta is still complaining they to me have, about I've, that. You know, I still get letters of complaint myself from them. Yes. <laughs> they say, don't come back. <laughs> don't it's come really, back. Really simple letters. <laughs> um, and and, they, and it even, it's so easy to translate, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. Yeah. And that's by the way, right. that, that's so different from Prosecco, which just goes to show here you are two different sparkling wines from this and, country. And really only 150, 150 miles apart in yeah. Italy and yet completely different styles yeah. of wine. So, yeah. yep. Lots of different styles. One that, that we see more these days is uh, Cremant, French Cremant. And, and Cremant just means sparkling wine from someplace in France that isn't champagne. Yeah. And and often they are very similar. Same yep. grapes, same styles, same high qualities, too. Yep. Uh, maybe maybe yep. not not the, quite the grapes, but um, yep. but sometimes just as good. So, um, but you like all sparkling wine, Rick. You'll drink anything with bubbles. I actually will. Um, and uh, I, I think it makes me sexy. <laughs> and, you mean if somebody's had enough bottles, you begin to look better? It's kind of beer. It, yeah, b- yeah. Instead of beer bottles for Rick, he goes with bubbly bottles. Yes. Well, maybe it makes me more fizzy. I think beer glasses. Fizzy, no, Rick has bubble right. glasses. Well, the other thing is uh, is defining the terms, and this is where it get, does get a little bit confusing. Um, which is that uh, those words on the labels don't seem to mean what they sound like they mean. Oh, you just mean extra dry. Extra dry, yeah. Which just yeah. does not mean dry; it means sweet. It does mean sweet. It's yeah. just the wine business. You don't expect us to be clear and transparent in our labeling, yes. do you? Well, this has a, a history to it, but it still could do better. The history, Paul, you like to tell. Well, basically, that the, the champagne originally developed the ways of classifying it champagne uh, when it was selling a huge amount to the Russian uh, nobility, and the Russians love really sweet wine. So, in fact, for them, the extra dry was actually pretty dry. They were drinking wines that were much, much sweeter than that. And for that matter, Russians still do. The traditional wines that are consumed in Russia are usually quite sweet. So whereas for the rest of the world, it would have been kind of sweet. For the Russians, it was extra dry, and they were buying a ton of champagne. So the French called it extra dry. Yeah, once it got started down that road, it it is a little bit difficult to sort of change, and they do have standards, but the standards mean pretty darn sweet. Um, If you do like drier wines, the ones that you're going to see most of the time are brute. Brute, or you'll see extra brute often. Yep. Yep. Um, there's a few other, uh, zero dosage and brute natural, but basically those are the dry ones. And beyond that, um, it's if it's not you know not extra dry and not a brute of some sort, it's going to end up being really sweet. Really sweet. Extra yeah. dry is already kind of sweet, yes. and everything above extra dry is really sweet. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think one of the other magic things, and this gets back to why it's such a great everyday wine on a Tuesday in January or a Thursday in March. I'm going to run out of days and months really well, soon. Well, you know, it's funny uh, because people uh, think of champagne or sparkling wine as being this very elegant, stylish din- uh, uh, beverage. But at the same time, if you're doing wine and food pairing, the best analogy I have is sparkling wine usually works just about anywhere you drink beer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I love it. We have a, 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 a Thai restaurant in my neighborhood that's very good. And, mm-hmm. um, uh, it's a pity they don't let you in anymore, they, isn't well, it? Well, they pull a 
blit a bubbly out when we come to the door. <laughs> they actually pass it out the door, don't they? they no, say, they, You just drink this outside. No, they, they drink it themselves when they see me coming. That's how I get in. <laughs> but it does go well with the food, too. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, uh, there's a, we, you know, a question we get asked now and then, uh, by the way, is what is a split? Not a banana split. No, but a an bubbly wine split. split. A bubbly split actually is a quarter of a bottle. Quarter of a bottle. So that's about six ounces, just a tiny bit more than what would be a, really considered a normal restaurant pour. Right. Yeah. But yeah. it's uh, or a big big glass of wine. Um, but the, I know we get that a lot. And there's you know some people thought it was a half, but that's a it's a one eighty seven, and we're not going to go that. No, one eighty seven is a split. Three fifty. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Three twenty five. Uh, okay. Um, it's <laughs> I don't do math, Paul. Math. Math is Rick's one of Rick's weak subjects, yes. <laughs> and I have many, by the way. <laughs> okay, so all right, and when you're talking about pouring that wine into a glass, though, yes. we're gonna we're gonna actually go on a little crusade here. Rick. Yes, we are on bottle talk. We are gonna tell people don't use a flute. You don't need the flute. Yep. In fact, the champagne producers nope. no longer serve their wine in flutes. Right. They would rather just have you serve it in a regular white wine glass because it smells better right. in the white wine glass. Right, because you can't smell it in the, in the flute. It's really pretty in the flute, and that's the yeah. thing. And, and, they more, and most even moderately priced expensive have a little notch right at the bottom so the bubbles come straight up the middle. And it's, it really is beautiful, but it yeah. actually—and that's, that's, beauty is a thing. Uh, you get to you understand that, Paul, because you get to stare at me while we do this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. But, Actually, I try. It's a technique called averted vision. <laughs> I was wondering why you kept having your hands over your eyes, <laughs> um, but it really is better in a white wine glass, and yes. it is a thing. And if don't you know if you have if you run out of flutes because you feel like you need to, you pull out the white wine glasses. You'll you'll see. You'll yeah. see. It is. Yeah. It is much. We better. have flutes. They're festive at times, but. Yeah, drink it out of a white wine glass. Tastes great. And and plus the flutes are much harder to get in the dishwasher. Oh, no. No, they're hand wash. See? Yeah. See? And, you know, your fingers are just not long enough to reach down <laughs> to get that little I part I try to use my tongue. It doesn't work either. <laughs> That's not a All right. Issue. Well, we're going to use our tongues to answer some questions. So, Thank God. Uh, before, uh, before we just make ourselves... I was going to say before we make ourselves look like fools, but... Too late that, for that. That ship has sailed. Too late yeah, for that. That's right. All right. Well, thank you for listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Uh, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to ask us a question at Rick and Paul Wine. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spotter, Spot, never mind. Media moguls. We are, we are media we, moguls. We are on many places, almost every place you can find a podcast. You'll find us yep. there. Yes. Yep. When you need us, there we'll be. All right. This is from Tim in Calistoga. He says, I keep reading stories that say the wine industry is doomed because it's not growing fast enough and younger people don't drink a ton of wine. What do you guys think? All right. So he's right about those stories are everywhere. They and are everywhere. And there have been some changes in the world. Yeah. But. Although it's still true that I, I think it is still true that millennials are drinking wine at a faster rate than boomers did at their age. I think it's like four minutes a glass. Could be. It's a rate. See a rate of I got it. Yeah, I got it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But with your math skills, I'm not buying any numbers <laughs> you're pulling out of the air. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but on the one hand, yes, it's a little concerning that the millennials are, as a group, focusing more attention on beer uh, and spirits and, spirits and the, cocktails. Yeah, they're, they're, they're spreading. They're spreading broadly. Certainly, much more exploratory. Yeah. 
I am still of the opinion that over the long length of, of their lives, there will be more interesting things to drink in the world of wine than there are in those other beverages. So I think they will, as their, as their income levels rise and as they entertain more at home, I don't know. But I think that wine as a regional and, and, and authentic product of different parts of the world will still have its Which is something appeal. that resonates, you know, the, 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 the regionality, the, the localness yep. of it and, and that sort of thing. I, I think there's another point, too, is that, you know, this is happening in, in food. Look, the, the, the flattening, as they say, of entertainment because there's so many more, whether it's video options or music right. options or whatever. And so, you know, folks that are um, technically competent, which is most people and certainly most young people, yeah, have, have neither, the ability not, to not learn. Not you nor me, but other people. No, I can barely turn on my cell phone. I can yeah. barely turn on my light, actually. On the, <laughs> it's, the studio's been dark for the first try, hour we've been here. Try to switch on by the it's door. It's really kind of embarrassing, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was mood lighting. <laughs> no, it's just the, I kept kind of hitting that thing. It turns out it was a chair. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> but the truth is, there's so many more options. It's so right. many different kinds of things, whether it's entertainment or food yep. Or, yep. or or drink. And so it's not necessarily a bad thing that for the market. I mean that that there. But they're interested that younger folks are interested in lots of things. Yeah. I think that makes them good consumers for the wine business, as it does for the spirits business and the beer business and everything else alongside. And what's interesting is that when people buy wine these days, they're buying up. They're buying more right. expensive wines, right. more interesting wines, rather than just buying a relatively inexpensive and maybe just a little generic red wine, white wine, because they want to drink a glass of wine. They want a glass of wine that's got some kind of story and has somebody behind it. Yeah. One of the things, though, that you and I have talked about this in the past is that the wine industry, as it always does, reacts exactly wrong. <laughs> right. You know, you, you start to see these stories about, well, you know, we need to get younger wine drinkers. Uh, let's let's start using uh, obscure let's, native varietals. Well, and, and let's they, offer classes. Yes, and let's educate them. Yes, because that's what people need to do is take yeah. a class before they can buy a product. Product. Yeah. Meanwhile, cocktails have been selling like right. gangbusters by simply saying, "Try this; it tastes really yeah, good." It's fun. It's pretty. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, and there have been uh, the industry has been in and out in terms of volume too, and that's also been something that is of of, of has affected the industry as as have tariffs, hmm. and uh, and so there's a lot of sort of. Um, Adjusting going on, I think is probably a better way to say it. But it's not like the industry is in in dire straits. It's just that its growth curve had been pretty steep for a while, right? And it's flattening a bit, yeah. and it doesn't yeah. mean it's going to go. And part away. of that may be because my generation of boomers is getting older and dying off. And you are. It's really yeah. kind of frightening I'm, how old you've well, gotten. I'm, I've, I've lost I'm, three. I'm worried of my, for you. I lost three of my fingers last <laughs> week. So <laughs> that's right. So uh, so not the middle one though. Rick. But, yeah. <laughs> I, I've noticed a couple times already. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so Tim, the the long short of it is the industry is it's, it's evolving as it always has, but it's not going anywhere, and and, and maybe to its discredit, sometimes not going anywhere dramatic because they and don't we change. We are when optimist they need to. about the fact that yes. wine is a magical enough beverage that people right. will eventually figure it out. Right. It's even better when the wine industry doesn't talk about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. This next one is from Cheryl in Sacramento. She says, "My husband and I love going to brunch. He drinks Bloody Marys probably more than he should." <laughs> <laughs> but they're too big for me. I like mimosas, but I'm getting a little tired of them. Are there other good cocktails with bubbly? 
Well, yes. Yes, there are. Yes. And so here's a couple of ideas that they can even make for you at half the places, but um, that are just really simple. Because there's all these really sophisticated, complicated right. uh, champagne cocktails. Right. The classic champagne cocktail is just champagne or spock. It is champagne, bitters, and a sugar cube. Yep. So, yep. you know, and uh, there's there's the Bellini, the classic Bellini, or Ernest Hemingway's alleged drink, which is Prosecco right. and peach puree yep. or peach juice. And if you're talking about Prosecco, of course, there's also the Aperol Spritz, which right. is basically Aperol or Campari with Prosecco. Right, right. Yep. Um, and there's uh, a Grand Royal, uh, which is Grand Marnier. And, and, right, uh, yeah. yep. Um, and, and Hemingway used to have that Grand Royal with absinthe. Uh, Oof. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a yeah. You, Plus, you gotta like anesthesia. You gotta to like anesthesia, yeah. and you've gotta like um, alcohol. That yeah. that stuff can that's get a, pretty. That's a high, that's, that's yeah. right. right. And there was you know there was a time there that um, that uh, absinthe was considered to maybe have hallucinogenic. It sort of got this cult following. Right, and uh, then it turns out it was just that it was so high in alcohol yeah, that people, people were getting, getting drunk. DTS. Yes. Yeah, that's what it was. Yep. yep. Yeah, uh, that's why it never bothered me, Paul. <laughs> there are no brain cells I'm, left to know, affect. <laughs> nothing, nothing, nothing left whatsoever. Um, and and then there's the my the Irish uh, that has it. Uh, I'm not sure I like this, but it's, I heard this from my an Irish friend of mine. Yeah, Guinness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black velvet. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure I'd go that direction. I like Guinness a lot. You can mix it with any fruit juice. Right, and that's really it. And then yeah. uh, with with cassis and it's a cure. Yeah, although I, I, I'm anti-Cassis for two reasons. One of them is I don't like it. Yeah. And the other is it's the worst wine descriptor ever after yeah, minerality. That's true. Yeah. So, so, okay, so I'm bitter enough. about it, so to but, speak. Yeah, I, but the other, the other suggestion I would make um, to Cheryl is instead of making champagne into a cocktail, why not simply drink a bottle of bubbly that was designed to be drunk at lunch in either a relatively sweet, like an extra dry that extra dry we're just talking about, yeah. Or Asti Spumanti. Yeah. Lots yeah. of fun. Yep. Yeah, that's right. If they've got it, that's easy to find. But the extra dry is, is also easy to find. And you, yep. you might find that does the trick for you. That yep. is, is, it's and for that matter, Prosecco is fairly sweet yep. and would do pretty much the same thing. That's true. Uh, okay, well, that's it for questions for now. Uh, we will have more in a bit. But up next, something good that's really bad. It's horrible wine writing. Yes, yes, it is. So we thought, well, not all of these, because uh, mine is going to be a list of, uh, of champagne descriptions. But, Paul, you have uh, a pretty horrible one that is not... Sh- it is not champagne. Not champagne. This ethereal wine is big and bold. Okay, you got to put a period what? right there, because that seems minute. impossible. Ethereal, big and bold. Because ethereal <clears throat> is like elusive like lights. It sounds like and, the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. yeah. Uh, offering light flavors of dark fruit. <laughs> <laughs> That dominate the palate, along with plums, blackberries, vanilla, vanilla, tobacco, and exotic spices, including pepper. Ooh, that's really. I don't think pepper is an exotic spice, but what do I know? It's delicious and refreshing, but for my money, has too much oak, and with aging, might come around. Huh? Right. What? Right. Wait a minute. Right. Um, It's delicious and refreshing, but has too much oak. Well, I'm sorry if it has too much oak. How can it be delicious and refreshing? And, well, and then the, the 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 rub on this one is a, it's a 2005 Zinfandel, so it's already old. It's not coming. It, around. It ain't coming around anytime yeah. soon. No, and, you know, and, and this and this writer pulls that trick that you love so much, which is dominates the palate with like seven different things. Well, and dark fruit, along with plums, blackberries, 
Yeah. Which are both dark fruits. I, I, yes. Yeah. Yes. I, I, my favorite was light flavors of dark fruit. Light flavors of dark yes. fruit. I kind of like the ethereal wine is big and bold. All right. So uh, uh, on mine, we we did this last time. We did a, 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 a champagne sparkling show. And so I did this again and went back to one of the wine mags okay. and pulled out you know, their list of, of fairly expensive sparkling wines. These were between $80 and $120 a bottle. Okay. So these so are not cheap. Hurt. It's yeah. from their buying guide. So okay. now I'm going to use this guide to, to help me spend $80 to $120. And they all say the same thing. It's pretty much. Let me read you a couple. Let's, okay. let's see if uh, any of these things start to ring familiar to you, my friend. The Brute Classic offers complex flavors of apple, pear, and citrus, along with refreshingly, a refreshingly dry finish of almond toast and caramel. Okay, so we got pear, citrus, apple, almonds, toast. and toast. Okay. okay. Next one. It displays a light gold color and fine bubbles on the palate. Fresh citrus. Bing! Notes of toasted almond. Bing! Are balanced by hints of apple pastry. Bing! Bing! Leaving refreshing finish. Okay. The third one. It offers fruit Aromas of fruit and nuts. Oh, well, come on now. Up, yeah, be, be, and be reveals a, more a soft lemony, lemony flavor. Well, at least they define their citrus. With notes of caramel, bing, pear, bing, and vanilla leaving refreshing velvety <laughs> finish. Next one. Intense aromas of pear, bing, bing. peach, bing, apple, bing, and toasted bread. Bing. <laughs> These flavors can do on the palate everything a smooth mouthful with thing. A last one. It offers intense bouquet of complex peach, bing, apple, bing, yeasty aromas, bing. Crispy citrus, bang, and and silky finish. And then the last one, and this one I think the writer just gave up, displays a pale yellow color with streams of bright silver bubbles. It offers a crisp palette of fruit flavors and a creamy effervescence. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you use any of that to choose to spend $80 to $120 on a bottle? Hmm. I'm thinking the answer is you don't. I'm, I'm thinking I, I can't find a phrase in there that really captures my attention. So we're just going to have to go on and and buy something else instead. Yes, I'm going to creamy buy some. effervescence. Creamy effervescence. Creamy effervescence. Okay, I'm not even sure that's not a contradiction. Okay. Well, you know, we got something better than bad descriptions coming up here. Hit it, boys. Now, those guys. Nice, nice to see those guys again, that, isn't it? There's some effervescence. <laughs> yeah, right there. there's some weird. creamy we effervescence right there. around for a while. There. Sorry, guys. I, I know you had some other gigs going, but nice. We, nice. we appreciate Thanks you for stopping by. by. Yep. 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 Right. yep. All right, Paul. So it's time for some historic history. Well, let's just talk about one of the great legends in the world of sparkling wine and champagne, which is Roder Cristal, one of the really classic, elegant, luxury blends in champagne, and the fact that it comes in a crystal clear bottle. Yes, it does. And the reason it does is because the Tsar of Russia was a huge fan of this wine, and he liked it so much that everyone knew the king, the Tsar of Russia drank Roder Cristal, and he was so worried about assassination. He was so worried someone would eventually hide a bomb in a bottle of his Roder Cristal that they decided to bottle the Tsar's allocation of Roder Cristal in clear glass bottles so he could see there were no bombs attached. And, you know, when you tell this story, I see, you know, the old Mad Magazine spy versus spy bomb <laughs> yeah, with this little with black little round circle in the fuse. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. That's what it would have been. Yep. <laughs> but that is why Rotor Cristal comes in a clear glass <laughs> that's, bottle that's is right. because it of is, that. It is one of the iconic bottles in all the world of, yep. of, of wine. Yeah. So mine is the classic story of Dom Perignon. 
You know, the, for anybody who, who's heard the myth sort of thing, he's allegedly had said, come quickly, I am drinking the stars. Right. He, in this case, he's supposed to have discovered champagne. Not not to be confused with Alexander Graham Bell, who said, Watson, come quickly. I'm, yes, I'm, and then he hit Watson, di- who saw stars, and I'm, it was a whole I'm different thing. I'm dialing Hong Kong. <laughs> yeah, that's right. so, so this is the real story of our friend, the monk Dom Perignon. It, yes. was, uh, it was the late 1600s, and he actually tried to kill the bubbles. Yes. Is, you know, now, here's the thing. So the the reason why, in fact, it is sort of the origin story of Champagne, which is that it's one of the coldest winemaking regions in, in Europe. On the planet. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so the way wine fundamentally works, yeast eats sugar, they, they give off bubbles, they give off yes. heat, and they tr- convert it to alcohol. And back in the day when they were making wine like this, what they knew was when the sound of the yeast makes a gurgling sound, when it went away, that was meant that the wine, the wine was done. The wine was done. So they put it in a bottle and let it sit. Well, in Champagne, what happened was it was so cold, the yeast went dormant. And they were still in the bottle and there's still some sugar. And then they'd stick it in the bottle and they'd think, oh, this is all good. And then and they'd open it up in the spring or they'd, and it, they, it would wake up in spring, in fact, eat it, and it, the bubbles would be in the bottles. Yeah, and in fact, they would ex- they would explode some of the bottles yes. because of the pressure. And so so Dom, who's a Benedictine monk, and the Benedictines were like your mechanics of wine. They were the ones that you called and they came. That's through. right. They were the experts. Yep. Uh, and, he, and he came to fix it and couldn't. They couldn't figure it out. Um, so he basically threw up his hands, so to speak, and said, you know what? Well, let's market it. And right. he, made, he made their winemaking better is what he did. Yes. Um, and he introduced, among other things, like things like corks um, and, uh, and lots of good things. But they basically embraced the fizz. So, so yes. he, he tried to kill his nemesis and then became famous for it. That's right. That's our man. When, when life gives you wine Bu- that bubbles. Drink it. Make champagne. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Uh, well, for, for more bad lines, we're going to answer <laughs> some more questions. And don't forget, you can ask us a question on our social, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, at Rick and Paul One. Uh, this is from Janet in Corta Madera. She says, what's the... And this is really actually a, a question that we haven't been asked before, and it surprises me, because it's a really solid okay. question, which is, what's the difference between rosé and rosé champagne? Are they made the same? Uh, is, there, is there any difference except for the bubbles? Nope. Nope, no difference except for the bubbles. Nope. Yeah, no, yes, they are made the same except for the yep. they're, then they're made like champagne. Nope, yep. yep. So it's nope. so it's <laughs> so champagne is white wine and rose <clears throat> champagne is red wine made into champagne. And what, how that works is fundamentally you just heard about the keeping the bubbles in the bottle, but the champagne is made in the the fifteen second description is you have your still wine, your basic wine, they put a little more yeast in there, so a little imagine more. Imagine taking Rosé wine is simply wine that spends a very short period of time on those dark red skins, picks up a little color, and is made into wine. Right. If you want to make bubbly out of that rosé... Here comes the sugar. Here comes the yeast. You just add a little more sugar, a little more yeast, put it in Seal a bottle it. or in a tank, and mm. Mm. leave it there under pressure for a while. And, and keep the... Dom Perignon away, because he's going to try to kill those bubbles. <laughs> no, he's going to drink the stars. Yes. Oh, that's right. So that's that's it. It's fundamentally, it is the same wine. Um, and, and yes, Janet, you in fact answered your own question, and not only did you answer it, but you answered it correctly. Yes. Yes, they're made the same way, except for the bubbles. Yep. Uh, this next one is from Jonathan in Culver City. 
this is not about sparkling wine. And he says, what's a super Tuscan? Uh-huh. I have a friend who keeps telling me that's his favorite wine, but I'm not sure he knows what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I have friends like that. Yeah. Yeah. So a super Tuscan, remember that in, in most parts it's, of it's, Europe. It's not part of the Marvel uh, series. It's actually, no. it's in the DC universe. <laughs> <laughs> remember that in most parts of Europe, Champagne is an example. There are very strict regulations about how you have to make wine in that particular region if you want to call it a wine from that region. So you can't make a big red wine in Champagne and call it Champagne because it's not made the way other Champagnes are made. Well, in Tus- And the grapes aren't allowed. Right. In Tuscany, the red wines have to be made on a basis of the native grape there, which is Sangiovese. And, and that's to have the, the labels of the regions on to your call wine. it a Tuscan wine, right? And so there are winemakers in Tuscany who said, "I could make some really interesting wines if I used grapes in addition to the Sangiovese." So they started adding things like Cabernet, Merlot, and Syrah to their Sangiovese, and then they were told, and they knew, of course, when they did it, you can't call that Chianti, you can't call that Brunello, you got to call it something else. So they invented a new category in Tuscany called Super Tuscan, which is traditional grapes blended with international grapes to make a red wine. And they're delicious. And it doesn't have, like so many wine regions in Europe, and and, we've talked about this in the past, that, that those wine regions are brands. And, you know, and that's like the champagne that we were talking right. about earlier. And so in right. theory, you should know you're getting a certain quality, a certain kind of wine, and that's the brand. But these these don't have a brand, and so they're not um, – it's it's a name that's invented. It doesn't have standards that goes uh, with Although with it's it. actually going through the process. They've become so popular and so successful, they're going through the process that there will eventually be a DOCG, a, an official designation for those wines in that part of Italy, and they'll be able to make Super Tuscans and call them Super Tuscans. And then somebody will make it with something else. And they'll, and they'll be, someone add milk be, to it, and there'll yeah. be a different story. Yes. But the, fundamentally, it's it's wines from Tuscany, um, often made with some of the French grapes, like... International grapes. Yeah, international grapes, really we call they. now. Yes, yeah. right. right. Yep. Um, so if your friend doesn't know, don't tell him, and then you'll be smarter than him. No, you should tell him, because that, <laughs> then you become a wine snob if you don't tell him. Uh, well, I don't know if we beat up wine snobs enough today, but that's it for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Yep. Our producer is Anthony Van Hook, a bubbly guy himself. Thank you, Our Anthony. associate producer is Jeremy Marin, and thanks to Capital Public Radio for their studio use and for including us on their podcast lineup. And don't forget, look for us on all of our social at Rick and Paul Wine. Ask us a question. And reminder, catch Paul and taste some extraordinary wines. And they really are going to have some good stuff up there at the Vancouver International Wine Festival on mm-hmm. February 22nd to March one. Information as at vanwinefest.ca, because it's Canada, or just Google Vancouver and Wine Festival. You'll find it. Tickets go on sale January 8th. Available now for trade. Go to the website. You'll find out more. Yep. And if you book a hotel through stayvancouverhotels.com, you'll get a free ticket to one of the four huge international festivals. 163 wineries. Yep. And save yourself 115 bucks. And one more reminder, the vanwinefest.ca website will let you uh, sign up for the post-festival Bordeaux, Bordeaux River Cruise. Easy for you to say. Bordeaux yes. River Cruise. With none other than the lovely Paul Wagner as That's your right. host. April 9th through 16, 2020, and we get to dock in 
uh, Saint-Emilion and in uh, Saint-Julien and in Bordeaux, and we drink great wines, and we celebrate the fact that Rick is in Sacramento. Well, I'll be drinking sparkling wine and celebrating on my own. So I'll be just fine. If you learn anything today, we hope it's a spot of bubbly makes everything better. Which is why we urge you to drink bubbly while you're listening to us. Always good advice. Unless you're driving, of course. I'm Rick Fishman. (laughs) And I'm Paul Wagner. Remember, the best wines are the wines you drink with friends. Or with us. Especially us. Especially us.